Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. All right, catch-up week continues here on Fantasy NBA Today. I had fallen briefly seven teams behind the writers over at Sports Ethos. I know the name of our website. That's like two and a half weeks. They got ahead of me in this uh, team recap stuff. So today, the Clippers, they're the next ones on the docket. The Los Angeles Clippers of Anaheim, ladies and gentlemen. That's not fair. They do play downtown. And their new arena is going to have 1,100 toilets, which, laugh all you want, if there was one way to get me to be a Clippers fan instead of a Lakers fan, it's to have posh bathrooms. I am not being facetious. I am not joking here. That is very much the truth. When I have a bunch of money, Someday, you know, when a million of you are listening to this show every day, first thing I'm doing is investing in a, investing in a sweet toilet. It's happening, baby. I want heated seats. I want that son of a gun to just clean my whole backside. I want to be pampered. I want my butt pampered. What the hell are we talking about? Oh, right, the Clippers. We're covering the Clippers on today's show. This Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I am the uh, sad-butted... Dan Bespris, your gracious host. Thanks for listening through the offseason, everybody, even though I talk about all sorts of weird crap. You know what hit me yesterday? Uh, and it's not the Clippers, but don't worry. We'll get to them in just a matter of moments here. I, I have time. It's the offseason. I do whatever the hell I want. I was... I don't know why it, it hit me yesterday and not some other day, but I was thinking about NBA Top Shot for the first time in, like, two years and how it's very rare that I actually get in and out of something at the right time. Now think, about, think in all of your lives. I don't know how many of you are investors in this, but I feel like I'm uh, fairly consistently too conservative when it comes to like stock trading or things of that ilk. I wait too long to do things because I'm like, oh, maybe it'll keep. No, no, it doesn't keep. It, it, it turns the other way. Top Shot, I was right on it. Series 3. I don't know when the hell that came out. You can track your time as best you can. Series 3 came out, and there were like 60,000 of them, and everything, all the prices went way down, and I thought, this is it, man. This is the turn. They diluted the crap out of it, and nobody and people stopped caring. It was good when they were just sort of doing nothing for long stretches. Don't You don't have to have a drop every two weeks. It was just they kept pouring more and more crap into the marketplace because they figured people are going to buy it, and they knew they had a bubble, so they were trying to milk it. I don't think the goal for Top Shot, Dapper Labs, whatever, I don't think their goal was ever to make this thing a long-term sustainable solution. I think they saw the bubble, and they were like, we got to churn out whatever we can, which is like hundreds of millions. They, kudos to them. But the writing was on the wall, and I cashed out, and I turned what I think was like, I forget, I somehow qualified for one of those expensive drops early, relatively early, not the first series, but I think the second wave. I was like right at the tail end of the early adopter stuff, and I got, I think it was like a $200 pack, and I thought, geez, I hope this freaking works, because wife's going to be pissed if it doesn't, and I, and I scored a like a Steph Curry all-star card that I sold for $1,400 immediately and went, okay, well, now I can do whatever I want. And I learned how to flip and 
over the course of a long NBA offseason, I was just sort of quietly like churning out a buck here and a buck there and two bucks here and two bucks there. And every time I was listening to someone's podcast on our network, trying to do feedback, I could do 20, 30, 40 minutes of just screwing around on Top Shot. And then as soon as that other stuff started breaking, unload, dump, 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 dump. And I think I turned like a $250 initial buy-in into like four or five grand worth of stuff. And I just, I hadn't checked in... I think, well, let's see. I don't know when the last time was. I think it was probably like early 2022 would be my guess. So like a year and a half is probably the last time I logged in. Everything is worth nothing. Like there, it's just crap. Everything is crap now. Everything I had is crap. And thank goodness I got rid of almost all that stuff. I wonder, are any of you guys still doing that? I can't imagine. I don't know why that hit me yesterday. I feel like something zipped by my screen, like one of their, I think I still follow them on Twitter and something they were doing flipped past my my timeline. And I thought, I wonder what the hell's going on. I haven't logged into my own thing in a while. And oh, whatever's left, whatever I sort of forgot or got too lazy to dump, it's just, it's worth nothing. Everything's worth nothing. Stuff that was worth 30, 40, 50 bucks is worth three. And it's it's worse for the things that were actually like worth legitimate money. But anyway, let's talk about the Los Angeles Clippers. Let's talk about the Clippers because from a fantasy standpoint, the Clippers are a team that should be very easy to handicap, but never are. And it's for the same reason every single time. Team health. Same thing. Every damn time. There's... Almost nothing that changes considerably on a year-to-year basis with this club other than, you know, they throw some wings around Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and sometimes it's a point guard, and sometimes it's a big wing. Sometimes it's a boneless wing. Sometimes it's a buffalo sauce wing. Actually, for a while, it was lemon pepper wings. It's a Lou Williams reference right there. And uh, nobody really gets to do anything. On those rare occasions that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are actually in the lineup. And that's why this year, over the course of the entire season, the Clippers had but two players in 9-cat on a per-game basis ranked inside the top 100. Duh. Who do we think those players are? Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. From an overall standpoint, it makes the Clippers a very easy team to deal with on draft night. If you have fears about player health, which in a head-to-head league, you should have many of them. In a roto league, you should have some of them. You handicap these players in two very different ways. And you basically ignore everyone else. Which, again, I don't know why Fantrax had Ivica Zubats ranked so freaking high this year. I know by totals he was decent, because Zubats played in 76 ball games this year. Uh, but that still only put him at number 91 by totals. On a per-game basis, again, there was nobody inside the top 100 on the Clippers besides Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. There were little stretches where superstars were out, and Norman Powell had a couple of, you know, two-week spurts, and Rob Covington had, like, a two-game spurt, and Nick Batum had a one-to-two-week spurt when... I think that was actually when the team was healthy... But then his body always breaks down. And uh, Mason Plumlee started to cut into Zubats a little bit down the stretch, but not all that much. And Eric Gordon showed up, and 
you know, we all know how his fantasy stat set doesn't really translate. It's the same story every year in nine cat. It just doesn't really translate and blah, blah, blah. There were times now with Zubats at around 110 on a per game basis. There were actually plenty of weeks and months that he was inside the top 100. In fact, the first couple weeks of the season, he was inside the top 50. But he was blocking about two and a half shots per game, and it took one very quick look at Zubats and his career per 36 marks to understand that wasn't a thing that was going to hang on. Was there a chance that his minutes may stay a little bit more elevated and his value might be a little better this year? Yes, and in fact, that is what happened. Head-to-head leagues, he was relatively useful as a fairly durable, just outside the top 100 center who didn't completely annihilate you with his free throw percent. He wasn't good there, but he wasn't awful there. Good field goal percent, decent rebounding, did end up with over a block and change per game. So, like, overall, it was not a total mess for Zoo. Uh, but again, it also wasn't great. He wasn't, there's a minimal upside play there. Clippers picked up Russell Westbrook partway through the year. He was an interesting development for that team. Did basically average like 16 and eight with the clips and his field goal percent was better, but his free throw percent is still a wreck and his turnovers are still obscenely high. And they asked him to Again, because of injury, this time it was Paul George. They asked him to be more than that fill-in sidekick role that actually did kind of look like it might work okay for him. And uh, then he, you know, went full Russ. But from a storyline standpoint, the Clippers... Well, I'm trying to think of the best way to... to deep dive this team from a storyline standpoint the Clippers don't really have a lot of choices Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are each under contract for one more year the exact same contract and then they have player options for damn near 50 million dollars for the year after that so by all accounts folks picture this nightmare scenario you're hosting friends for the big game It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. They're probably going to be there for two more seasons, or at least one in change if the Clippers decide they want to pivot in another direction. And I'm sure you could trade Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, but I also don't know that you could get fair market value for them because of all the injury stuff. Elsewhere with the Clippers, Eric Gordon has a team option for about 21 mil. I don't know if the Clippers are going to be exercising that or not, but almost 
independent of that. Norman Powell, 18 mil. Marcus Morris, 17. Rob Covington, 12. Nick Batum, 12. Avica Zubats, 11. Mason Plumley came off the book, so there's a little bit of salary relief. Terrence Mann got himself a uh, a raise, which, you know, by all accounts, these contracts the Clippers have been giving out have been pretty decent ones, but they're on pace to have one of the highest salaries in the NBA, which means there isn't a whole lot that they can do. They're going to be trying to fill around the edges here on a team that has generally the same core. And if, as we expect, PG and Kawhi are healthy going into opening day next season, there is almost no reason to think that this Clippers team is going to be anything other than what they were this season. A team with all of the potential in the universe and wings upon wings upon wings in an NBA where that's the spot, that's the the position that everybody is looking for these days because of positional flexibility and fluidity and all that stuff, even though some teams are kind of pivoting a little bit back in, in other directions Wings upon wings upon wings. The Clippers should be able to do so many things, but the guys that lead the charge are Quoth, the 90s band cake, never there. Kawhi Leonard once again played in, uh, what is it, 52? Was that the total this year? I think it was 52 ball games this season. Paul George played in 56. Their per-game values were solid. Kawhi at number 13. That's when you include the fact that his first, whatever it was, dozen games were basically in ramp-up mode. After he got rolling, after Kawhi got cooking, so basically like the last few months of the season, he was very much a mid-first-rounder. Huge, huge percentages guy. Great steals. Scores, threes, rebounds, assists. Uh, blocks were a, a little bit down over that stretch for Kawhi um, at, at like .5 this year. But he consistently is one of the only players in fantasy that pushes nine category value. He's done it before. He didn't quite do it this year, mostly because of blocks, but he's done it before. So Kawhi's always going to be a, a, a behemoth on the per game side. And then it's the other stuff that you're somewhat concerned about. Because of that, and because, again, we talk about the Roto stuff here on this show and games cap formats, Kawhi Leonard is probably going to be, again, an interesting play for games cap formats. The funny thing is that between Kawhi and and Paul George, you're basically ducking into almost the same risk factor with both of them. It's not like PG has been considerably better on a games played basis since he went to the Clippers PJ's played in or maybe we should say has missed has missed 24 games only 18 uh 51 and now 26 for Kawhi it was almost easier because at least you knew he was missing all of last season you know he was just you just scratched him off the board you didn't have to worry about it he missed 20 or 15 the year COVID broke, 20 in the shortened season, and then 30 this last year. 22 if you go back to his rent-a-season in Toronto, 70 basically the year before that, and then it was like 8, 10, whatever. It was more 
reasonable numbers first few seasons of his career. Funny thing to think about with Kawhi Leonard is that <laughs> he's not like he's not ancient. His 32nd birthday is coming up later this month. So yeah, he is certainly what you'd call sort of past the prime, but he's still uh just an absolute Goliath who for two seasons in a row shot exactly 51.2% from the field. He's a high 80s free throw guy. He's shooting damn near 40% at the at from 3 in his career now. Big steals, decent blocks, assists have been better with the Clippers. Rebounds are always fine. I mean, he's 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 Kawhi. And he's going to drop in drafts because he's going to miss 25 games. But the beauty of Kawhi Leonard is that despite missing 30 games this year, he actually finished with a totals rank of 38, which is only like eight slots back of where he was getting drafted in a lot of leagues. He almost hit his mark, and he basically would have in like three, four more games. That's how close he was. He would have hit his ADP if he played in 56 games instead of 52. Isn't that crazy? That, again, is including that slow start to the year where he couldn't quite work his way back from injury. That type of stuff, at least now, is basically behind him. I know that, again, Kawhi left a a playoff series with injury, but they've said that things are okay. They haven't adjusted this from a knee sprain, so presumably he'll be okay to get ramped up and do the normal kind of training camp and, and loosening things. There's no goal for him to play every game during the regular season. And it's really funny, the dialogue around the Clippers, too. is like, oh, well, you got to find a way to keep your superstars healthy. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, what do you think they've been trying to do with load management? They haven't pushed these dudes at all. And they still aren't staying healthy. Which, at this point, basically just means it's dumb luck. You can't bubble wrap Paul George and Kawhi Leonard basically any more than the Clippers have bubble wrapped Kawhi 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 Leonard and Paul George. They have been fully bubble wrapped in L.A. And still, they can't get healthy for a playoff run. There's nothing left. There's really nothing else left to try. You just kind of have to pray if you're the Clippers. You can't rest them more. They're fully rested. They just get hurt all the time. Maybe the answer is to play in every ball game, but only play like 27 minutes. I don't know. You got to try something at this point because whatever you're doing isn't working. I don't think they're going to do that because if they did, that would be uh, really confusing for fantasy drafts. But I don't know. Don't you have to at least explore other ideas? This path, whatever the hell you want to call it, isn't working. They get rest days, they get rest days, they get rest days, they get hurt anyway. Call it bad luck if you want. It is just what it is. Paul George, uh, generally a little bit overdrafted, which is also kind of the weirdest damn thing when you've got these two guys and neither one of them can ever make it through a season, and one of them is underdrafted and one of them is slightly overdrafted. And I feel like a lot of that is just this strange clinging to... Paul George during his the Westbrook, Westbrook year in Oklahoma City, where he was a top five fantasy play that year. Honest to goodness, at this point, I, I can't even remember how long ago that was. Was that 2018, uh, 2019? Can you believe that crap? That was four years ago now. 
Time, time is fleeting. Age is but a construct, but damn it, time is fleeting. Paul George is number three in fantasy on a per-game basis that year. He played 77 out of 82 damn ball games. Averaged 28 points, four three-pointers almost. Eight boards, four assists, 2.2 steals. Yeah, he was a bad field goal percent guy, but who the hell gave a crap because he was a good free-throw shooter and, again, put up 28, 8, and 4 with 2.6 defensive stats and almost four three-pointers. That Paul George doesn't really exist anymore. Even down the stretch this season, uh, when Paul PG had a couple of ball games where he was basically asked to go do everything, and he got up to 21 shots per game, his free throw percent was weirdly low, and his rebounds were lower because you know the Clippers had more rebounders, and his three pointers weren't as high. He, he, for whatever reason, just that number isn't the same as it used to be. I'll tell you, uh, that season was crazy. He took 21 shots a game, and 10 of them were three-pointers. Closest he got to that was last year with the Clippers. He took 20 and a half shots per game, and 8.3 of those were three-pointers. But his three-point field goal percent was down, so his overall field goal percent was down. And still, you love what you got out of him last year. Seven boards, six assists, four turnovers. That was really high. But last year's Paul George was basically the closest Paul George to the OKC season, and then, you know, he didn't even last the whole year. Played 31 games, and then he was done. And he was number 16, uh, largely because of turnovers, but still. That Paul George is not doesn't exist anymore. He is an injury-prone player who is likely not going to be getting over two steals per game anymore as he continues to kind of slowly slow down. And certainly while Kawhi Leonard is even partially upright, we have to assume that the assists are going to remain good because he is uh, a bit of a de facto point guard on that team. But that with Kawhi around, the shots are going to be closer to 18 than they are to 21. The threes are going to be closer to high twos than mid threes or high threes. The rebounds are going to be closer to six than seven or eight. As we mentioned, the steals are going to be closer to one and a half than two and a half. This is who Paul George is when the Clippers have players even partially upright around him. That's not a guy that needs to be drafted in the second round anymore. He was number 25 on a per-game basis this year, but there is zero health upside built in with him. And he had one of his better field goal percent seasons this year at 45.7. Career 43.7 guy. So this was like the up-bounce in field goal percent year and still only carried him to top 25 and the edge of that, mind you. So what the hell do you do with this team from a fantasy standpoint? Because you're probably not going to draft Avica Zubats because by the time he's getting drafted, which is going to be around probably 100 to 110, basically where he finished last year, by the time he's getting drafted, uh, you're hunting upside plays anyway, and he is decidedly not one of those. The only time you're drafting Avica Zubats is if you have completely neglected centers entirely, and you're just like, ah, bleep, I got to get 10 rebounds and 1.2 blocks. Uh, I've got free throws coming out of my ears. I should be fine there. I'm going to take this guy who's a 70 percenter or a high 60s 
and I'm probably still punting field goal percent because of the rest of my team. Ah, Evita. Most of the time around pick 100, 110, you're going for somebody that you think might finish inside the top 75, where you pretty much know Zubats is not going to finish unless he averages 32, 33 minutes a game. Which generally won't happen because the Clippers go small sometimes when they're healthy. Zubats, whatever upside you think is built in on him is, ba- is predicated basically on Kawhi Leonard and Paul George missing somehow more time than they did this year. And it has to be almost at the exact same time, which did have some overlap this season, but not a ton. It was almost like they kind of alternated a little bit. No, I don't care about Terrence Mann. Stop trying to talk me into him. No, I don't care about Bones or Marcus Morris or even Rob Covington, who I've loved for so very long. I would love for them to move Rob Covington. He is on an expiring deal. I'm sure there are plenty of teams that would go give him 24, 25 minutes, and that would be fun. But he ain't getting that in Clipperstown. No, I don't care about Russ if they bring him back. I don't care about Norman Powell unless, again, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard mysteriously show up as not ready to start training camp. It's a two-horse team, and if you're drafting them, you're just praying. Which, again, by the way, is not the most insane thing to do on Earth. Head-to-head league, I don't think you touch either of them. There's a, a magical universe where you're not punting anything... And uh, you can get Kawhi Leonard at, like, pick 36 or something in a head-to-head league. And you're like, well, you know, damn it, at some points during the year, my third-round pick is going to carry my club. And at some points during my year, he is going to sink my club. And you just kind of have to hope that the first outweighs the second because of the per-game built-in colossal, mega, volcanic upside with the big health risk. With Paul George, there's just, it's not there. Kawhi Leonard has the fantasy stats at even as a as part of a two-horse team to be a mid-first rounder. Paul George on a two-horse team that's not Russell Westbrook, basically who's like either Chuck or fire it to you to go Chuck. This team, Paul George, is top 20 or deeper on a per-game basis. It's just where it's at. He crawled inside the top 20 when Kawhi Leonard missed an entire season. If Kawhi Leonard doesn't miss an entire season, Paul George is probably outside the top 20. Unless, unless, if and only if, which is IFF in math, if and only if Paul George can get his steals back up to 2.2 and keep everything else the same as this year, that's how he gets back into that mid-second round range. So that's your little upside. It's not like with Kawhi where you can go mid-first round. PG's not getting to that, that part unless he starts taking 21 shots a game again, which I, I don't think is happening. So I'm probably dodging PG on draft night. I am probably going to be suckered into Kawhi in a couple of my nine-cat roto leagues if he falls in the middle of the third round and, you know, I have like the seventh or eighth pick in the in the draft and I don't know who I'm going to get at 7 or 8 in the first round. I don't, I'm quite curious, actually, how the first round ADPs shake out. But there he is at pick 32 or whatever. I'm like, oh, man, how can I not? But that's why you take guys in the first two rounds that you assume are going to be mostly upright. Because it gives you that opportunity to take a Kawhi in the third. Or this year, Kristaps uh, Porzingis in the fourth. Where, sure, if they're hurt half the season, you're a little bit annoyed, but you kind of game plan for it. And if they stay upright, oh, baby. That's what you got out of Porzingis this season. Mostly upright. That's not that much to ask for. Only missed 17 games. KP drafted in the mid to late 40s. 
Finished with a totals rank of 22? Yeah, you can dig it. Maybe that's what you end up hoping for with Kawhi. If you can get him in the 30s, and maybe, just maybe, he gets to 60 out of 82 games played, smokes that ADP. And that's your Clippers, because as much as they might want to retool, it would be basically full teardown and nothing else. They're not going to get enough for those other guys. Marcus Moore, I mean, plenty of expiring contracts, because the Clippers could look extremely different the following year. They kind of will, even you know, even if Kawhi and PG exercise their $50 million player options. It's $49 million, by the way. I know, I'm rounding up. Eric Gordon would be gone. Marcus Morris, Rob Covington, Nick Batum, those guys are all off the books after this season. But we don't need to look that far ahead. By all accounts, the Clippers are going to want to have star power on their team when they open up their new facility, which I think is not this coming season, but the next one, the Intuit Dome. How far away is that? I don't know. I mean, they know they're building it, and I'm sure that they'd like to have it done by uh, opening day next year. I don't think they're going to move mid-season. That would be super strange. That's in Inglewood. I'll go. I'll, I'll go see a game at a brand new facility. Not that far from me. Inglewood's what? Like, well, it depends. If I drive there at, at 11 p.m., I could probably get there in about 15 minutes. If I drive there in the middle of the day trying to get to a basketball game, it might take me like 50. <laughs> Hello, Los Angeles. Anyway, um, so they're going to they're gonna want those stars there, even if they're guys that are injured all the time. So I would expect the Clippers to look a lot like they have in the past, and for us to handicap them a lot like we have in the past. Friends, you're down to 11 days to get your Father's Day gift. Please stop screwing around. Please stop screwing around and just go use the promo code ethos20 over at manscaped.com. You've waited long enough. You've hemmed and hawed about whether or not to get the father figure in your life something dumb or something... Uh, really intricate and personalized. You've, you've even thought about maybe making something, but damn it, you don't have the time. I certainly don't, as I podcast here from my bedroom slash office slash room where we throw all of the children's toys when they're not looking so that the living room doesn't look like a uh, Toys R Us unloaded their unsold crap into it. I don't have the time for that, so I go to manscaped.com and use promo code ethos20, the one that they've given us here for Sports Ethos, to get father figure presents. Sadly, my own father did pass away, so I can't do it for him, but maybe I'll do a present for me to me. My father-in-law is a perfectly reasonable recipient from manscaped.com. And if you're like, oh, it's going to look weird when it shows up, it says manscaped, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? They open the package, and then the stuff inside is just better than what the other companies are making right now. So go to manscaped.com. Seriously, stop screwing off. Get your damn Father's Day gift. It's the best time of year to go to manscaped.com. Promo code again is ethos20. Get 20% off and free shipping on your order. And lock that bad boy in today so it's there in time for Sunday, June the 18th. It's coming up. It's right around the corner. You jerks, go get it today. I am Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. That was the Los Angeles Clippers. Games tonight. Game tonight. <laughs> that reminds me. We used to have this big uh, vinyl banner that said game tonight that we used to hang outside of our ballpark in Bakersfield before it was pointed out to us that sometimes we had games in the middle of the day. So we had to make a new one that said game today. 
<laughs> and the great Philip Guyry, our assistant GM, fellow AGM, and stadium operations guru in Bakersfield, bolted that sucker onto two pieces of wood and chained it up to a cord that he was then able to hang on this big sign out in front of the, out by the, the main drag. Game today! Game today. We got a game tonight. If you want to know how I feel about it, go back to Monday's podcast because that's the last damn time we talked about it. They do still play finals games. You just have to wait a week in between all of them, or so it feels. All right. Enjoy the game tonight, everybody. I do still think the Nuggets probably get this one on the road, but we shall see because the Heat, every once in a while here, more often than not, shoot about 50% from downtown, and that, in the modern NBA, it's damn tough to stop. Is the NBA just becoming the team that can get hotter from three wins? That would be a little bit annoying, but that's kind of the way the Eastern Conference all played out, and now it's kind of the way the finals are playing out. Ah, well. Okay, we're done for real this time. I am Dan. You are listeners. I'll talk to you guys on Twitter at Dan Vespers. For now, we will see you tomorrow. So long. <laughs>